one podcast. Mining the Magic the Gathering community for salt. This is The Howling Salt Mine. It's The Howling Salt Mine. The Howling Salt Mine. Well, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of The Howling Salt Mine podcast, the podcast where we delve into those salty, salty minds of the Magic the Gathering community. Find the saltiest story, the saltiest buzz. <laughs> I forgot you could see me. That was so good. Oh, man. Just did like a little like diving dance. <laughs> I was scuba diving down into the mine. Very good. Ooh, an aquatic version of the mine. Exactly. Yeah. This mine is flooded. Cue up the Donkey Kong Country water song for me, please. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We find the saltiest stories, the saltiest posts. We put them in our mind cart. We bring them right back up to you, our dear prospectors at home. As always, I'm your host, Sam, and I'm joined today by my singular co-host, Mike. Say hey, Mike. Hello. And as you heard, we have our special guest host, our honored guest host, Pat, with Mm. us today. What's up, Pat? Diving deep into the blue icy waters. Oh, dude, this this mine is flooded, and honestly, it's a safety hazard. Flooded with a yeah. high tide. Yeah, don't go in this mine. OSHA is not happy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and neither are the workers. They yeah. really dislike it. The honestly. workers are us, and we're unhappy. <laughs> <laughs> now we're happy. Well, before we get into it, guys, let's fucking shout out our nice patrons because they are nice you know what i mean nice 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 and they are cream bean hephaestus bolts prime speaker florian yaf judge and accidental tpk thank you so much for the support appreciate it very much lee thank you very much lee oh oh a smooch from pat pat's got a little something special for you that doesn't come for free folks i blew it to you gamers i blew it to you you better catch it (laughs) (laughs) ah mike got it sorry everybody at home mike got the kiss (laughs) that's serialized by the way nice (laughs) oh man i was talking about this with my wife earlier today have you guys ever watched like caving videos Oh, oh, yeah. In utter terror, I have watched yeah. that videos. <laughs> I can't Dude. handle that shit at all. I have like a sick obsession with those videos. Like I would never, ever go in a cave, even like a big cave. I'm incredibly suspicious of like one where I clearly won't get trapped. No way I'm fucking going in that. But to watch someone else, I, I think it helps that I know that the video made it back out and they're alive. But to watch <laughs> someone else go in like a very tiny cave and all those sketchy moments where they're like, oh, my coat is stuck on something and I'm like, Oh my God, like what the, why would you ever go down there? I just, I love it. There's something about it, man. There's one, I think, I think it's about something called like sandstone caverns or something, but there's this famous story of a guy. Yeah. Floyd Collins. If anyone wants just a a insane tragic, I'll I'll spoil it for you right now. (laughs) I'll spoil it for you. He does not make it. He does not make it out, mm. but it's like this story of he's in it for like days and it's, it's in like 1925. And so it's late enough that like the world news travels really fast. So there's like right. newspaper articles, like people are like reading about it 
in big cities being like, what's going to happen to the guy trapped in Sand Cave? It happens for days. For days he's trapped. Things keep like shifting. Only like four people are brave enough to go into like the first part previous to like where he got stuck. And then only like two guys are like brave enough to make it to like the part where he's stuck to try and help dig him out. Oh my God, it's dude. just wild, man. Those stories are just so insane. Like, yes, like I, I am not a thrill seeker, man. To me, it's exciting to be like a cutter of the stack and, you know, fucking ask people for uh, if they want to pass priority on my win con like that gets my adrenaline pumping. Yeah. And some people are like, I'm going to jam my body in a really, really tiny <laughs> hole. And maybe I won't come back out, but man, it's going to be fucking intense. That's a different brand of, of thrill seeking for sure. I, I got none of that in my body. And maybe that's why I like to watch those videos because it's just like a window into another world that I, I do not have at all. Someone needs to thought seize these guys on turn one so they know something could go wrong. Yeah. <laughs> they could learn a lot from magic. Speaking of thought seize turn one, Pat, We've been playing a lot of Timeless. What a good transition. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks. I'm on here for one thing. (laughs) (laughs) The transitions. Mike, the segue master. (laughs) Oh, man. If we, yeah, next next podcast goal, buy me a segue. (laughs) Ooh, that's a good one. Didn't the guy who made those also tragically he die on a Segway, on a segway yeah, dude? speak of tragic accidents. I think he drove the Segway like off a cliff or something. Speaking yeah. of thrill-seeking. Have you guys oh. ever ridden on a Segway? Yes. I did in college because our like college campus EMTs used to ride Segways around the campus. <laughs> and one nice. day one of them let me borrow it and like cruise around the quad a little bit. That's exactly what I want to see when I'm lying on the ground gasping for air is <laughs> yeah. two two wheels speeding <laughs> towards me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's pretty appropriate for like an incredibly nerdy tech school. You know? <laughs> yeah. I'm sure they bought those and they were like, this is going to be so dope. Hey, it turns out there's a lot of stairs on campus, actually. Yeah. Those, those don't work so well yeah. for that. Yeah. And you can't just leave your Segway unattended and parked outside a building as you run no, in. So they didn't can't. really get used very much. Of oh, yeah. all of all of the modes of transportation, I would say that that one is the least timeless. And speaking of timeless, oh, we've been again. playing a lot of this format on Magic <laughs> Arena that they just put out called Timeless. Well, yeah, it's been out for a few weeks now. Yes. Now, by the time of airing, it's been out for a few weeks. But at the time of recording, we've just been like little format fiends grinding games for like one week since it's been released. So, yes. Yeah. I'm literally going to download it this weekend to jam games. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. Send some lists. I I have I've worked on two lists. I'm working on like a Sultai Uro Field of the Dead control list. Ooh. And I'm also working on an Esper control shell that right now is sort of based on the standard deck from War of the Spark era with Mm -hmm. like Basilica Bell Haunt. What's the enchantment? The Kaya-based enchantment that does three damage oh, and protects yeah. your of, Planeswalkers. Oath of Kaya, I think. Yeah, that one is sweet. love that card. Yeah, that one is really good. I've been playing Teferi, Mox Amber, Displacer Kitten loops. Seems good. <laughs> which is ridiculous with red as a support color. So I've been doing it with Jeskai. So you do that core loop of like, you know, the same CEDH basically win condition of Teferi bouncing the Mox Amber, casting Mox Amber, which triggers your Displacer Kitten to flicker your Teferi. And then it's back up 
and able to bounce your Mox Amber again. So you net a mana and a card every time, and it's happening with three fairy on the board. So your yeah, opponent no can <laughs> interact. <laughs> like it's so so good. I have yet to actually need to cast like the winning spells and resolve it. Because <laughs> as soon as I've done the loop like five times, people scoop because they're like, okay, I see the writing on the wall here. That's like the thing that I've heard the most with Timeless as a format is that people are insta-scooping a oh, yeah. lot. Yes. yes. A lot, dude. I feel like that happens at the lower ranks a lot just because yes. people want to get their reps in. Yep. Yeah. Because you need to get out of that little bronze hole where like losing doesn't matter. And then once you're on into like silver and like slightly higher MMR, like you can actually like play the game again for yeah. a bit. Dude, I love the bronze hole. That was my nickname in high school. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I'm all about being in the bronze hole, man. <laughs> oh, boy. The best thing about this pop filter is I now have like something to rest to my rest head against head. when I'm super frustrated. Yeah. I mean, hey, it's a new year. You know, Mike's got his new microphone stand. It was after our last episode or one of the previous episodes we recorded where we went extensively into the bit of how Mike doesn't have a microphone stand. And literally after that, I ordered one, got it in a couple of days, went to Mike's house for a housewarming party and just like hand delivered him the microphone stand. <laughs> yeah. So when my audio quality is shit, you guys all know whose fault that is. I didn't make this decision. And choose to be here. <laughs> I'm gonna have to go back and retroactively make your audio bad on all the previous episodes. So. <laughs> for continuity, for continuity. Yeah. <laughs> Pitch it up so his nose sounds pinched. Pitch it up. <laughs> Jokes on you. My nose always sounds pinched. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been running it through a depinching filter to, to cut that out. <laughs> Just the magic of audio. My voice is actually incredibly high pitched in real life, uh, but yeah. it's just a great filter that we use. Hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Well, well, you know what else is timeless? <laughs> Ooh. Salty Reddit post, baby. Hey, there it is. Nice. So true. Nice. <laughs> yeah, let's fucking get into the salt, boys. Lettuce. But Sam, what perchance is salt? Huh? Oh, thanks pat i appreciate that and I, I like how you said that you know i think tony could really take some notes uh mm -hmm. really learn from this yeah <laughs> <laughs> sam what's salt oh man <laughs> i also appreciate that second cut because i can just take that and insert it into all right. episodes coming uh, from now <laughs> forward for the entire year of 2024 <laughs> Oh uh, no, I couldn't do that to Tony. It's literally in his contract that it is. he has to yeah. say he can't he can't be replaced by AI. Yeah. <laughs> well, no. Nothing of the sort, but we do know that it has to be his voice. So we yeah. could just AI his voice doing it. And that that is true. Yeah. Robo Tony. <laughs> yeah. I'll yeah. just run what Pat said through an, an AI like voice modulator bot, a la, yeah. you know, Plankton singing System of a Down. <laughs> Mm -hmm. <laughs> but it'll be Tony saying what Pat just said. Perfect. Anyways, I'm getting lost in the sauce here. Salt is frustration in the game, folks. It is anything from the small grains to the full shakers. Maybe your commander is getting countered over and over and over again. You just can't seem to get that linchpin down on the board and make your deck sing. Maybe you're looking for a pre-con game and somebody is being a little misleading and they're bringing like a heavy combo deck that is very challenging for your pre-con to face. Maybe you're jumping into a spell table lobby and someone says power level 5.5 no mocks five card hands no swamps but yeah you have a mono black deck and you like seven card hands 
Yep. <laughs> All of these things can bring salt and make you a little bit salty. And we talk about salt so we can learn about it and become educated because really after all this is an educational show this isn't comedy this isn't leisure we're not funny yeah <laughs> if you've been laughing there's something wrong with you yeah this yeah is, exactly this is class yeah. this is class it's not classy but it is class yeah this is uh salt 101 and yeah. um you know the lecture is about to start now shall we get into it yeah oh heck yeah lecture me professor well, our first story comes to us from Reddit. That's right. In alignment with our New Year's resolution, Reddit stories are back, baby. Boom. Boom, baby. And this first one comes to us from Empress Leneth. So if you guys see Empress Leneth around the Magic the Gathering subreddits, give them an upvote. You know the drill. Spread that good will. Nice username. It is a good one. And the post is titled, Should I Remove a Potential Infinite That I Can't Stop? Hmm. hmm. Patrons will know this one because we talked about it a lot when it came out. <laughs> we did. And the story goes, Hi, so this topic came up after a game that I caused a draw in because my opponent didn't want to take a small amount of damage. I play <laughs> Atla Palani, and my deck has both Marauding Raptor and Polyraptor in it. I normally won't play Atla without a sack outlet on board to immediately let me remove the eggs. So that's our setup. Should we just quickly pause here and read these two cards? Yeah, we should. They're going to sure. be incredibly relevant in a moment yeah. here have we ever read atla Polani? i don't think so all right let's let's just hit it y'all let's educate before like we said educational podcast let's educate before we really dip into the salt here so let's kick it off with marauding raptor this costs one and a red this is from uh lost caverns of ixalan so it's a fairly new card it's a two three red dinosaur and it says creature spells you cast cost one less to cast and it also says, whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, Marauding Raptor deals two damage to it. If a dinosaur is dealt damage this way, Marauding Raptor gets plus two, plus zero until end of turn. Now, Polyraptor, it costs six and two green. It's a dinosaur as well. It's a five, five, and it has an enrage ability. And it says, whenever Polyraptor is dealt damage, create a token that's a copy of Polyraptor. You can <laughs> see here... <laughs> <laughs> there's a, a bit of a loop with these two cards. You may see where this is going. Yeah. And lastly, let's just quickly touch on Atla Palani, the nest tender. She costs one, a red, a green, and a white. So it's a Naya commander. Legendary creature, human shaman, has an activated ability, pay two and tap it, create a zero one green egg creature token with defender. And then it has another ability that says, whenever an egg you control dies, reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal a creature card. Put that card onto the battlefield and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. So these Atla Palani egg builds, generally you're making egg tokens. Maybe sometimes you're manipulating creature types and you're making all of your creatures into eggs. So you can just go on these like sack cycles basically. And sometimes you set up combos. Sometimes you set up big crazy boards of, of big stompy Timmy creatures. It's a pretty versatile commander. Very popular too. It is very popular, yeah. Yeah, one of the most popular that I feel like doesn't get too stale. I see people playing this still with with some regularity. I think because of like the chaos aspect mm. and and that like randomness, it is a deck that there's so many ways you can build it and so many things you can do with it. It's really more of like an engine commander than a commander that like forces you to build in a specific direction. Right. Yeah, I like decks that force you to see every card at some point rather than ones mm. that go for the same ones over and over. Yeah, I've been liking that a lot more lately. Uh, so the story continues. In a game last night, my opponent had about 50 power worth of green trample creatures and over 60 life. I had no sack outlet in play. 
but I top decked a Marauding Raptor, despite already having Polyraptor and Atlapalani in play. My sack outlet had just been removed. I also had the original Galta, but I'm low on life and in probably the 15 to 18 range. I can't accurately remember. And his 50 trample would kill me through my board. I play the Marauding Raptor and activate Atla. The Raptor kills the egg, and I only find a Goring Ceratops. A good card, but not so good right now. I was about to concede when I realized that if he blocks Polyraptor, it's going to cause a draw. I can't stop Marauding Raptor due to my destroyed altar, uh, probably some sort of sack altar, and he has seen what the Marauding Raptor does twice now. So I swing with Polyraptor alone. Polly is still only a 5-5, and he's at over 60 life. He's played well all game, so I expected him to know to just take the 5 damage and win on the swing back. He moves to blocks and blocks Polyraptor. Polly took damage, and the infinite begins. This caused quite an outrage. He had lethal on board and said I denied him a legitimate win. I point out that he'd seen what Marauding Raptor does and had even asked why I made it hit my Goring Ceratops and I told him it was a mandatory trigger. I had to ping my creature, yet he still blocked Polyraptor, which definitely did not threaten his 60 plus life total. The discussion eventually moved on to him saying I shouldn't run an infinite that I can't prevent and that I unfairly ruined his win. What is everyone's opinion on this? I think the opponent playing is spouting shit and they're just salty that they didn't get the win because we know that none of that is true. Like this player has a sack outlet in their deck, presumably because it said it got removed. That stops Polyraptor combo. If you have a sack outlet, when the last one is about to get hit by the damage, you just sack it. Yep. So like you can't say that this player doesn't have a potential way to capitalize the Polyraptor combo. For sure. They didn't necessarily have it on board here, Mm -hmm. but a draw is better than a loss. And I think that that's true even in casual. So I think that this is fine. I want to know like exactly how this game ended, because if if I was in the scenario where so the Polyraptor being blocked causes him to make infinite Polyraptors. Yes. And never stop making Polyraptors. And never stop. Yeah, so basically the Polyraptor gets blocked, takes damage, and gets the Enraged Trigger, makes a new Polyraptor. Once that Polyraptor comes in, the Marauding Raptor hits it, and you get another Polyraptor. And then that trigger just continues to go from there. Uh, and, and like Mike said, if you had a sack outlet on board, you could let it loop like, I don't know, 400 times. For sure. And then on the 401st time... You just sack it in response to the damage trigger and like stop that loop. Without that, though, the game just ends in a draw because a draw. Yeah. game yeah. actions can't like people could take actions if they had stuff to cast. Like anybody with removal could stop this from being a draw. Mm-hmm. I think it's preposterous to say this is like not a valid way to end the game, <laughs> especially when the player needed to not block it. Like right. if they block it, they get what's coming to them. Like it's it's right on the card. <laughs> it's a perfect visibility on the board state. Like, yes, maybe you're not connecting the dots. Yeah, maybe you're not connecting the dots, but there is perfect information on the board. Sometimes people don't look at board states enough, but a lot of the mm-hmm. time we're talking about how like people don't have perfect information. So it's hard to know what the right play is versus the wrong play. And you have to wait until after the game to ask people stuff to kind of know whether people are doing the right thing or not. Yeah, this is not that case. Yeah, this not just here. isn't that case. You see on the board what's going to happen if you read all the cards, you know, and not only that, like OP here, Empress had just demonstrated how the Marauding Raptor works when they had flipped into the Goring Ceratops. 
almost the last paragraph had a segment where they were like, why'd you hit your ceratops? And they're like, well, I have to because I have this trigger on the Marauding Raptor that forced yeah. me to damage yeah. creatures that ETB on my board. So it's like not only was the perfect information of the board state there, it had just been demonstrated with another creature. So, I mean, I agree. I think this is like completely fair and you should not remove this from your deck because a draw is way better than than a loss, like 100%. And it's not some weird combo that's always going to end in a draw. Yeah, It is yeah. a combo that will win you the game a lot of the time. So that's fine. I'm kind of of the opinion that, one, it's the blocking player causing the chain. So mm -hmm. it's on them. But also, this isn't a deck that's fishing for this like combo that draws the game. Like This just was an outcome of game actions. Like this person isn't looking to loop the game to a draw every game that I could see being a problem in a yeah. local play group, but this is just happenstance. This is by no means something you need to change your deck for. Yep. I completely agree. And you know, it, it's an interesting conversation on like two things. The first one is like infinite loops that you can't stop that end the game in a draw. I don't think we've really talked about that a ton. Like world gorger dragon loops can sometimes do this. Yes. If you are doing like an animate dead world gorger dragon combo and you don't have like another creature in your yard mm -hmm. to eventually move that animate dead to, that's also something that uh, we've seen in our play group before that can just keep the game going and there's no way to break the loop. So the game ends in a draw, you know, that's something that can happen in, in magic games with these loops. But the other thing is like, to me, this is like kind of activating a trap card Yu-Gi-Oh style. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's on the board and you walked into it. And I think in Magic as a whole, especially in Commander, which is such a, a, a social format, this really doesn't exist in 1v1s where people walk into those trap cards or walk into like a rattlesnake card or walk into something else that is clearly presented on the board or like forget about it or something and they want that take back and they want it to be different because it's kind of a failing on them of like board state awareness yeah and that can be super salt inducing i mean i just did that the other day when i fucking played into an op agent like an absolute clown <laughs> uh so you know like that shit happens and you feel stupid and you get salty at yourself in the situation and I think it's just an easy deflection to get salty at the other person but like that's part of the game man i think just as a whole we're way too forgiving with take backs with that kind of shit, you know? Mm -hmm. Agreed. So this reminds me of one of the new Secret Layer Jurassic Park cards that came out in that the universe is beyond Jurassic collection. Don't move. Have you guys seen this card? Yes. yes. So it costs five. It's a sorcery. Costs three and two white. And it says destroy all tapped creatures until your next turn. Whenever a creature becomes tapped, destroy it. So... When this card was spoiled a little while back, there was this huge discussion about like what happens when someone taps their creature, do you let them walk it back? And you know, th there was kind of a split because some people were like, well, it's casual, people forget board states, but it's like the point of this card is that someone's gonna fucking forget and walk into it, and you're like, haha, you get fucked kind of like your creature just gets destroyed. It's kind of this weird situation where like Sometimes like the ownership of remembering that shit is on you. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think it I think it kind of ruins this card if at the start of every single person's turn, I'm like, and remember, don't tap your creatures or they're going to get destroyed. Right. Like, otherwise, why am I even playing it? You're playing it so people will walk into that trap. You know what I mean? Again, this isn't like super related to the story here, but just kind of making me think of these like 
trap cards and walkbacks and things like that. And this one, I think, is like a perfect example of one of those cards where I, I think you're going to get a lot of mixed reactions to walking into this card and walking into this trap. I think that's a really good point. There's something I say a lot in that EDH is kind of like landing a plane. And I think people who exclusively play casually will sometimes make the mistake that landing the plane is like, they think it's not winning the game. It's like, we all had a good time and we collaboratively got to the end of the game together. Mm. But like, I think those gotcha moments are like really healthy and a lot of fun in casual too. Like, I think that yeah. card is going to see a lot of play in casual. And if people actually let it resolve how it's intended to, I think it can be a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I agree. agree that that these kind of like oops moments are super important. It's also super important for like kind of the health of the play group a little bit. Like, yes, you know, the next time Empress is attacking with a board full of enraged dinosaurs, the defending player is going to check yeah. what all those triggers yeah. are, which <laughs> frankly, into an enraged board, you should be doing and yes. like figuring out how that's going to go. But I think that's just healthy. That just means that there's another player is going to have to stay more actively engaged with what another player's board state is. And I see that only leading to better games. Yeah, I think the engagement piece is huge because I think it's very easy in a commander game to kind of zone out, not pay attention to other people's board states and then sort of be like, hey, what did I miss? Like, let me check back in. But having that like active involvement in someone else's turn is not only going to make you a better player, but probably going to make that person have a more enjoyable turn and also just going to make the game more engaging and fun overall, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, what do you think the salt ratings on this bad boy are? I kind of love it, man. Clearly it's like high ish salt. It wouldn't make me salty. Uh, because again, I would, I would be salty at myself for just walking into that and mm -hmm, feeling right. stupid. I would yeah. not be salty at the other player, but like if I came up against this, it's, it's in the deck for a reason. Like we yeah. said, this isn't intended to stall the game into a draw every single time it hits the table. It's no. a fucking win con combo. Yes. And, and you just didn't have one piece and one piece. A draw is better than a lot. <laughs> <gasps> the one piece. The one piece. <laughs> get much higher. Oh, these pirate boys and their straw hats. <laughs> but clearly, the opponent was incredibly salty. Salty enough to be like, you denied yeah. me a win. Right. It's like, motherfucker, you fucking played bad. Yeah. Like, yeah. Sorry, dude. Like, sometimes it just sucks to suck and you misplayed. You know, you misplayed and you lost the win, and that's fine. But hey, you still got a draw. You didn't lose. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's true. Didn't walk into a loss. Yeah, that's something Empress needs to remind this player. Hey, man, didn't lose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we both kind of win, actually. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I, I think this is a little higher salt than you're giving it credit for, Sam. There, there's two parts about this that do piss me off. Like, clearly, the other player is very upset yeah. that this, you know, seemingly locked in, tried and true win is turned into a loss by their own decision by their own decision to declare a blocker that's pretty high salt like i talk about this all the time the thing that gets me the grumpiest is when i can tell that i misplayed and it's really in my face and it's never going to be yeah, more in I your face than a single game action oh, yeah. visibly changing the outcome of the game <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like that that is that is 100 percent clarity on on how that affected what happened the other thing that I think is high salt on this is when someone is a little unhappy and the way that they express that is by telling me that my deck construction is wrong. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you are so right, dude. <laughs> that doesn't yeah. work for me either. So, like, Empress has this Polyraptor, and you were saying it, Sam. This is a winning combo. Again, if you have a sack outlet on and you get this enraged combo, you flip into Polyraptor, you start enraging, you make however many, like, a hundred Polyraptors, and then you sack all of those. Maybe you're able to make those eggs or something. You sack those to Alaplani, and then you rip mm-hmm. into the next, like, all your other creatures. So, there's all this, like, weird shit that you can do with Polyraptor that is so much more than, oops, I made a draw. Yeah, uh, and I just I doubt that the original poster here really goes for the draw again. Like, yes, that's a different post, right? Yeah. Oh, there's a player in my pod that always draws the game with Polyraptor. We would have different things to say, but it's really not the case here. <laughs> yeah, that that's extremely fair. You're right. You're raining in. You're raining in my salt rating, yeah. and I appreciate it, Mike. Up those you're salt keeping levels. me on the spin. Salt yeah, levels, this Sam. is pretty fucking salty. The commentary on the other person's deck is like. That's horseshit, man. Like, you just fucking played bad. You you misread. Sometimes, especially when you're in, like, a winning board state and you got, like, your opponent's low on life, you got more than 60 life, you got a big wall of crazy green trample creatures. This guy was fucking drunk on spiral power. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Let me say, you, yeah. Know, you know you're meeting a real magic player, though, when you meet someone who says, gosh, that deck that beat me is so bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> uh, I keep it. losing to all these trash tier decks. Yeah. <laughs> if they if they had better decks, I'd be beating them, but Yeah. Yeah. It's true. It's true. <laughs> that makes me think of uh I know I've talked about this meme before, but maybe it's been a while. It's been a while. But that meme about the rock paper scissors game. Have you guys seen that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Where it's like, like this guy no. is like I always play. Have you not seen this, Pat? Oh, I think I, I actually do think I know what you're talking about. It's like this guy, and he's like, I only play scissors. Scissors is the best. Scissor life. He's got like a scissor life shirt on or something like yeah. that. It's like, just keep scissoring. And huh. then another rock player. It's like, oh, good. Another rock player. You beat me. I guess you did. Another fucking broken rock player. Always bring in rock. And it's just like, <laughs> it's my favorite. I think it was like meme of the year for me last yeah, year. 100%. It's yeah. so, so good, dude. My my other favorite one on there, though, is like the rock, paper, scissors meta for, for thousands of years before scissors makes an appearance. Yeah. <laughs> it's just <Yeah>. like... <laughs> dude and before paper came around before early paper the only rock meta oh my god rocks only it was so so toxic yeah Yeah, talk about every game ending in a draw yeah (laughs) step aside rakdos scam yeah (laughs) speaking of things that we left in 2023 (laughs) well not fully apparently it's still a pretty (laughs) fucking brutal deck i think it was like two weeks after the ban somebody won a tournament with a Rakdos scam deck again. Well, if they were playing a better deck, I would have beat him. So yeah, yeah got him. <laughs> well, should we move on, guys? Sure. Let's do it. Let's fucking do it. Okay. Let's hit this one. I got a little one right here. This comes to us from our Gmail from our buddy Marcus. And this is titled Spell Table Salt. And the story goes, hey, guys, second time writing in. I'm still keeping up in spite of the implication last time when comedian MTG was on. <laughs> Love the show. <laughs> I do not recall what happened. The implication. I do not remember either. Uh Uh-oh. But it sounds like something funny happened. Uh, Yeah. And if the implication is referencing an Always Sunny sketch, then I really hope (laughs) we did not make any implications. Oh, my. Yeah, I don't think we were going to take Marcus on like a little boat ride. Yeah, a little boat ride. (laughs) 
uh, continues. I wanted to share a story from Spell Table. I'm honestly surprised how infrequently you guys get stories from Spell Table because I personally believe it to be the saltiest magic mm. environment bar none. I can oh. believe that. Yeah. yeah, I fucking agree. There are average 1.2 salty baby boys in each lobby, <laughs> according to anecdotal research. If it's that high, I'm going to have to play some more games on Spell Table. <laughs> That's low. 1.2? I feel like it's probably at least a 1.8. Those are rookie numbers. You got to pump those up. <laughs> I, I do think that, and, and maybe this is something we can do with this new year. I think it would be very funny to take a week, just one week, where we all do Spell Table games with randos. And like you just play until you encounter your first salt lord. Stop, write down the story, and then oh. on the next episode of the podcast, we read them. That's Ooh. good. It's like Richard Attenborough in the wild. Yeah, yeah and we'll all <laughs> only need to play one game, so it's an easy time commitment. <laughs> nice. Well, in all of my games, no one will be salty because it'll be me who's the salty baby. <laughs> so again, one game. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Anyway, on to the story. I join a lobby labeled something like casual level six famous last words. Oh, what could possibly go wrong? I'm running a Kodama Livio blink deck that certainly has the potential to pop off big, but it's slow and fragile. Yeah, we know Mike and I spent like a week trying to brew Olivia. See the amount deck. of time I spent with Livio is <laughs> so bad. I'd never want to see that card ever again. I think at one point though, I was on like Livio something else with Zerda as a companion and I was like if I can just make the Livio ability yeah. cheaper yeah then it all <laughs> is coming together I just need to get bell ringer out oh man that's really taking me back it was like the most clumsy like dockside bell ringer combo to get like infinite mana and yeah it wasn't yeah, good slowly <laughs> yeah very slow a uh, slow and fragile is right yeah two other players are playing something irrelevant hey, get fucked not notably powerful <laughs> The fourth guy, however, is playing Tatiova. In my head, I thought, here we go. Then I noticed there's a little scrap of paper next to Tatiova with a big seven written on it. He tells us that he understands he's playing a strong deck. So he has a commander clock that shows he won't cast her for seven turns. We're like, whatever, Wait, dude, what? and start the game. <laughs> <laughs> it's so unhinged. Huh. So unhinged, this behavior. Huh. It plays out normally, I'd say, but there are definitely slightly more attention on the Tati over player in terms of minor attacks and removal, probably due to the combination of the commander and the fact that he felt the need to handicap himself. Yeah. Yeah. And he starts to get irritated. By turn mm -hmm. four, he throws the scrap of paper off camera and says, <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> and says, well, if you're going to focus me, I'm just going to cast her. Oh, he, does. <laughs> he doesn't even abide by his own restriction. I love this guy. Dude. Yeah. I sigh and watch as he creates something like 400,000 scoot swarms over the next couple turns. And we scoop and I drop from the lobby. Spell table is a silly place. Tis a silly place. <laughs> wow. I love that this guy came into the dojo and was like, yeah, I'm wearing weighted clothing. And then he got punched a couple times and like fucking, you know, Rock Lee yeah. against Gara, he like casts off his weighted clothing. He's like, enough of this. This is like this is like if Rock Lee Gara had no buildup though. This is Gara yeah, throws yeah. hands once and Rock Lee's like, all right, it's coming yeah, off. Yeah, I'm taking these <laughs> off right now. <laughs> Just Goku yeah. immediately taking off the weighted clothing. Yeah. <laughs> that somehow makes it a lot less cool. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, Dude. this is something else. Don't handicap yourself like that. That's outrageous. Let the table do that for you. <laughs> yeah. There's a there's a reason that people gang up on players, and it's usually because they're the player ahead. Like the four player nature of the game has this like built in balancing system for stuff like this. Mm-hmm. And this is part of why we pretty strongly advocate for not playing like three or five player games, things like that, because this can get really thrown out of whack. But yep. with four players, there's definitely enough that one or two players can start focusing you if you're slightly ahead and all three players will focus on you if you're definitely the problem yeah also if your deck is a power level eight and you say you're not going to cast your commander for seven turns it doesn't make it a six like like, yeah not at all like you're, you're not playing a power level six deck you're playing a very strong deck and you have some weird like power limiter that you think is viable in your head like it's just a very it's a very weird flex to to have at the start yeah. of the game, you know. Yeah. It's like I'm gonna play this game with my hand shown to all my opponents, and I'm still gonna win, you know. What yeah. I mean? yeah. Like it's not even really a hand tied behind my back, though. It's like a hand with like a silly glove on it. It's like this, yeah. this will lightly hinder you, but it's not gonna like drastically alter your approach to the game. Yeah. Also, like, Tatiova is five mana. Granted, you're in Simic. You're probably ramping a lot. Yeah, you can get her turn three or four. But if you're playing on curve, holding off on playing your commander for two turns isn't, like, a huge sign of charity. Not at all. (laughs) Yeah. It's like one command tax. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Like, if you were like, my commander starts with an additional command tax. What? (laughs) it's not a huge that would suck but it's not it's not a a full power level number dip yeah not at all man i just love the ego of coming into a game and being like i'm gonna fight you guys with one hand tied behind my back and then just immediately being like all right i need this other hand yeah but i do need this (laughs) other hand though yeah Now, if you guys were playing better decks, I would need this other hand. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what hmm. a fun, what a, it's just so absurd. I love this one. It's so strange. It's not like any other salty story we've ever heard on the show before. No, you don't get too many anime transformations during a game. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's like Frieza. You're lucky the game didn't continue. Yeah, he just my next form (laughs) this time my commander costs four more but i will draw an extra card on the first two turns oh all right man yeah it's like okay dude i I think that's the best part is that they're just like yeah we'll do that (laughs) all right dude the whole table being like sure yeah sure Sure. all right man (laughs) i also love the physical representation of it existing for some reason right like you could say you could say out loud i'll wait until turn seven to cast my commander people will look at you weird but once you have the slip of paper down it is so much more obvious when you walk it back to that is so funny (laughs) yeah like you could have done this and just not said anything you could have just not cast tatiova until late game right kept it in your head yeah i mean i don't think people would question you i mean maybe if you tapped like if you passed you know draw go and left a ton of mana up and could have very easily cast tatiova maybe they'd be like all right what are you doing over there ah uh, you're blue you can leave whatever you want up that that is yeah that's fair yep but True. i don't know it's just such a weird thing that is gonna put more attention on you you yeah. know if you're yeah. like um i'm only fighting with half of my power level people are gonna be like all right well 
we should probably stop you before turn seven. It sounds yeah. like <laughs> like this. This really is such an interesting game to evaluate what happens if this player doesn't say this. Yeah. And just keeps it in head like people don't focus them as much. They don't freak out and change their mind. They probably wait until turn seven to cast their commander. And then the game actually might proceed in a normal way. Like waiting to cast Tatiova may have been the thing that that kept the game more normal. Yeah. Uh, but saying it out loud vastly outweighed any like positive effects of trying to balance <laughs> things out. Uh, as, and then to roll it back, it completely shatters any illusion of it being helpful. If I'm trying to slip Tatiova into a seven pod, I'm keeping my mouth shut as much as possible. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, of course. Like, if you're playing an incredibly powerful deck that you think it might be overpowered and you're doing it in good faith, like, step softly, like, as softly as you can. You you want to have the smallest footprint in that game. You do not want to draw attention. This is also, like, such a intense and over-the-top example of playing with your food in an EDH game. Yes. Like really a wild one to be like, turn zero, all of you are my food, and I am going to play with you. But don't (laughs) worry, I'll be nice. Yeah, I could end the game really early, but I will choose to do it after turn seven. Can you stop me before that? (laughs) Yeah, it's weird. I love it. Seeing a person like this on spell table in the wild is just like seeing a unicorn though. Like I'm kind of I'm kind of with you, Sam. I want to experience this now. Yeah, dude. Mm. I do too, man. Like I, I wonder if they do this with all their decks. Oh, they have different clocks. Yeah. <laughs> I I do wonder sometimes too if like potentially the reason that we don't get a lot of spell table stories. We get a we get a serious amount, but we don't yeah. they're not like a vast majority of our content yet. I wonder if it's just because like the average weirdness for a spell table game is so high that, you know, it really needs to be a deviation from that in order for us to get the news. Yeah. And it just isn't different enough from the standard oddness. Yeah. And I think a lot of salt on spell table is honestly like power level mismatches and people scooping. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, we get those stories every once in a while. Obviously, we get those just from like playgroups and LGSs and, and shit like that as well. But like to have something like this, like you said, Pat, this is a unicorn. This is a truly strange game. (laughs) This is very weird. And I love it, man. You know, I bet when he crumpled up that paper and threw it across the room, it like left a little dent where it landed because that piece (laughs) of paper was so heavy. It was holding back the power of Tatiova. (laughs) Oh, God. Well, what do we think the overall salt rating on this one is? From the perspective of the guy who crumpled up his clock and threw it away, he was mad to to ha- to do something like that. <laughs> yeah, and not and not only just do it quietly, and be like, "I'm just casting Tatsuya on turn five, whatever." To to say, "All right, um, um clock is gone." Like yeah. <laughs> that is amazing. But from the perspective of the poster, like this is a needle that was poking straight out of the haystack. And I'm glad that you had the foresight to send this in because this is like (laughs) what EDH is about, like a magical game like this. Like obviously the good ones where you you win by a hair on your chin are, are just as exciting. But I think this game is just as special as like an amazing win. Yeah, it's just so strange. I think this is pretty high salt, obviously from the perspective of the Tatiova player. Like that person wanted to have this funny gimmick or this interesting gimmick. They wanted to have something where people were like, ooh, ah, like, oh, wow, he's holding back. This is going to be so cool. But mm-hmm. maybe just didn't like think about the impact of that. You're basically saying, if I get to turn seven, I'm probably going to win the game. 
You, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. so like you're going to get focused. I just don't think they thought that through and they wanted it to be kind of like a quirky little unique sort of thing. And I mean, for our friend Marcus here, this is super salty because you wanted a casual level six game and saw the Tatiova player and we're like, okay, well here we fucking go. Like, Tatiova is incredibly busted and this deck is probably way more than a six and surprise it definitely was. Yeah. <laughs> like it a hundred percent was, you know? Yep. Oops, scooted all over the place. Yep. Big scoots. Big scoots. Big scooty duties. <laughs> Big scooty woody duties. <laughs> Big scooties. <laughs> yep. Uh, you guys want another one? Hell yeah. Post three, game seven. Let's close this out. <laughs> <laughs> so this post comes to us from one of our patrons, and this one comes to us from Rafe. What's up, dude? Thanks for the support. Thank you, Rafe. And the post is titled Bacon Maple Donut, a confessional wrapped in a sugar brick. Oh, let's go. Oh, the post goes. This is a long one, so I apologize in advance. Omit whatever you need to. Nice. We're not going to. I'm not omitting yeah. anything. <laughs> let's hear it. First, I just want to say I love the pod. I've listened to every episode, every stray grain and every extra salt. Whoa, Ooh, that's a lot of content. You guys are hilarious and insightful. I've learned a lot about how to play better just from your show. I also get a little hit of dopamine every time Tony says, that's fucking bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I think I said that. I think I said that this episode too. So yeah. <laughs> we're, we're holding that down, even though Tony's not here today. And Sam, your salty card of the week songs are sublime. They really are. Well, thank you. We actually haven't got any uh, sublime requests yet, but uh, you can request <laughs> salty songs of the week as your Patreon <laughs> at, at certain Patreon uh... tiers. <laughs> I'd love to sing some sublime, but thanks, Rafe. We really appreciate that. A bit of backstory. I've been collecting and playing since 1995 when one of my neighborhood best friends, older brothers, gave me a bunch of his duplicates including all five of the OG Elder Dragons. I was pretty hooked and made some awful decks to incorporate them, but I was always having fun with my friends. As most players do, I was kind of off and on with the game as I got older and interests and responsibilities shifted, but I got back into it during Return to Ravnica and stayed pretty regular through about 2016-2017 where I stepped away again. When they announced the Warhammer 40k decks, I decided to get back in. When I went to purchase one, my girlfriend decided that she would also buy one and start her journey into MTG. Welcome. I warned her that this was going to be a new addiction, <laughs> Yeah. but she said she always had some interest in the game as she collected Pokemon previously and none of her friends had any interest in magic and thought this could be a fun bonding activity for us. Hell yeah. Yeah, that's fucking dope. Big W right there. Yeah, scoring a card girly is a big W. <laughs> <laughs> I agreed and was excited she wanted to partake in this game with me as well as my previous girlfriends thought the game was dumb and a waste of money. Hey, they can get fucked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah big W. Yeah. See what I'm saying? Dub. Yeah, big dub. <laughs> I taught her how to play and she picked it up pretty quickly. The only problem we had was that we had no one else to really play with and 1v1 commander is kind of weird. Yeah. So we mostly played with old 60 card precons I had from all my years collecting. However, I gave my brother a 40k precon for Christmas and caused him to relapse pretty hard. <laughs> <laughs> he has now been converting his work friends and building a pretty solid playgroup. So he set up a day for her and I to play with him and a couple of those guys. All great. The two guys we met, David and Josh, were super chill and excited to have more players in rotation. They were really helpful as we were both pretty new to Commander and hadn't played in a group yet. Even though it was five players... The game actually flowed pretty well, and turns mm -hmm. weren't taking forever, as I've heard them doing on the pod. <laughs> Here's where the salt and the sugar really start. 
I apologize, as I don't really recall the specifics of everyone's decks besides my brother and I. My fuckface of a brother was playing his secret layer <laughs> angel deck. <laughs> nice. My girlfriend was playing her host of Mordor deck. She's a huge Lotor fan. David was playing a blue and black knight deck, and Josh was playing a blue black horror deck, and I was playing my 40k Imperium deck. Hmm. Nice. Is Imperium Esper? Yes. Yes, it is. Yeah, that's like the Carneus Magnus Calgar, Marneus Calgar. So there's a lot of blue. Yeah, it's a lot of blue. Except for the secret layer angels deck is, is mono white, yes. I'm pretty sure. The whole the whole table fits into the Esper wedge, though. Um, yeah, I think Hosts of Mordor is Grixis. Yes. Oh, okay. So there is red in there. Never mind. But yeah. Never mind. Uh, no green. Fuck green. No green. Fuck green, though. Yeah, we hate <laughs> it. I got a really nice opening hand that included my soul ring. Hey. So my turn one was land drop, soul ring, arcane signet. Hey. The dream. The fucking Can dream starter right there. <laughs> So there it is. That is the one piece. It's, it's, <laughs> it's just that. It's it just a turn real. one soul ring. It's opening hand with turn one soul ring. One <laughs> <laughs> piece is real. <laughs> oh man! Everyone just gangs up on Luffy as soon as he gets the one piece. <laughs> this is cards format warping. <laughs> turn two, I got my Vexilus Praetor out which gives my commanders protection from everything. And turn three got Grayfax out, so I was in a pretty good position. The mm -hmm. other two players were slowly getting online, but my stinky dickhole of a brother was quickly getting out of wow. hand with his board. We all wanted to see how everyone's deck played out, so we weren't really trying to take anyone out right away, even though the angels were clearly the arch enemy. <laughs> Mike, my stinky dickhole broke Mike. <laughs> that one really got me. I don't know yeah. why, but that one really got me. Bringing the cleanliness of a man's dickhole into this. Wow. <laughs> Uh, oh shit, man. dude i think like i think like the out-of-pocket comments and insults in the salty stories get me way more to than, than the stuff that we say like yeah absolutely i don't pre-read <laughs> these they just fucking hit and i'm like oh <laughs> okay so the angel deck was clearly the arch enemy at this point another reason we were taking it slow was that my girlfriend got mana screwed and only had two lands out the entire game Oof. so she didn't really get to play much and my shitbag brother used this to his advantage Oof. he was using her to give him creatures back while putting ones she was having to discard back into play with Dawnbreak reclaimer he uh. had his safara skyblade out for a while but we were able to get rid of it and start dealing with his board after a while eventually he had rebuilt his board towards the end of the game with his fused commander and was running away, I think that's Brizella, right? Correct. Mm -hmm. And was running away with the game, but his Dawnbreak Reclaimer was still in the graveyard. I was using my commander to tap his at the start of each of his turns and pleading with the table to focus on him, which David and Josh were on board with. It was coming back around to me after his turn and then my girlfriend's, and I had a board wipe in hand that would destroy all non-token creatures. On my... <laughs> Uh oh! On my anus mouth brother's turn, <laughs> he asked my girlfriend to choose the Dawnbreak Reclaimer and he'll give her whatever creature she wanted. I was immediately salty that she agreed to this after trying to convince her not to because it would be handing him the game. I tried not to be too obvious about the salt, pretty unsuccessfully. How dare he make me feel this way by using the person I love the most? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On my last turn, I had no option but to nuke the table with Commissar Severina Reign's ability and my small horde of soldier tokens and lead a final assault against the angels. The little shitbag survived with four health. Oof. 
I was salty as fuck. He politicked his way to victory using a new player's misfortune and newly formed grasp on threat assessment. I can't be too salty, though, because overall, it was a really fun game. And the feeling I get from seeing her joy from the game I've loved for so long completely degrinches me from all the salt buildup. Despite her not really getting to play that game, she had a blast and is eager to play more with this group. They're super chill, oh, and we all had a great time together. Instant vibes. The game is bringing us closer together, and we're making new friends. And how can you be salty about something so sweet? Cheers, guys. Cheers. That is also true. You know what this rings, though, to me? This is the scene in Star Wars Episode Three, where like <laughs> Padme is talking to Anakin on Mustafar. They're like, what's going on? I'm getting demolished here. I have two lands. I'm confused. You were killing younglings. What's going on? And then, <laughs> and then Obi-Wan steps down the ramp and Anakin is just like, oh shit. It's like just brothers turning the love in, in the middle against each other. And then they mm -hmm. just have to duke it out at the very end, getting locked in Mortal Kombat. You were the chosen one. You were meant yeah. to destroy the Sith, not join yeah, them. Not join them. <laughs> I got to say, I, I resonate with your girlfriend a little bit here, because if I'm in a game where I have two lands and I have been like shut out the entire time and someone offers me just the slightest <laughs> yeah. bit of power, I am slamming the yes button as hard yes. as I can. <laughs> Anything to have an effect on the game at that point, because like if I'm ever in a game where I'm like totally locked out, the thing I crave the most is agency. It is not oh, to yeah. win. Yeah, I just want to be in the game like at all, like yes. like any scrap, anything. I'm just like, please, please, a, a pittance, my lord, please, anything. Yeah. Sometimes it's not just like <laughs> taking advantage of the newest player. Sometimes it's also just like, I feel like I'm at this point a somewhat experienced player. And if I'm in that game, I'm probably just like, give me the crumb of agency just for a yes. moment. Let me feel alive. Yeah. <laughs> If someone is tapping, what's that land that gives spirits? Is it Forbidden Orchard? Correct. Yes. Even if someone just has a Forbidden Orchard and they're tapping it and I have no board state, I'm like, please give me the spirit. Like, give me something. <laughs> give me a chump blocker, please. Like anything, dude. Any port in a storm at that point. Real quick, I just want to read Dawnbreak Reclaimer because that's kind of the card that was the engine here uh, with OP's girlfriend. So this is an sure. angel. It costs four and two white. It has flying and it's a five, five. And it says... At the beginning of your end step, choose a creature card in an opponent's graveyard, and then that player chooses a creature card in your graveyard. You may return those cards to the battlefield under their owner's control. Like, mm -hmm. what a perfect card for someone who's mana fucked. They've been discarding yeah. the entire game to just be like, hey, you and me, we're going to fucking do this. You're going to get back in the game. I'm going to probably win, but, you know, ignore that. But you're going to get back in the game. Isn't that cool? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I do love this card. I love this card too and in, in this story because it's so well designed for a commander environment. Like it's yes. built in politics like this. Like the, it's the whole point of the card for it to sing true to that is is just great. I also just love this card personally. It's been sitting in the the virtual list for a Majetta the Lion that I've built and oh. keep tinkering forever. Nice. As like a mono white board wipe kindred reanimator so i'm a i'm a huge fan of the card and uh i just think that the political components of it fit really well into commander and so it's a great card to have on the table in, mm -hmm. in these like interesting five player games and stuff like that you say magetta magetta yes. yeah i say magita like vegeta magita magita <laughs> isn't vegeta with a is it ve yeah veg 
Yeah, Vegeta. Is it is it not Majita? It's no, it's Ma Magita. Oh, Magetta, Magita. Yeah. That sounds cool. But was it the pronunciation or was it how I said it? Ooh, a bit of both. Majita. I do want to take a moment, real quick. It sounds like a lot of the people in this game were playing pre-cons and were having like a relatively like balanced, good experience. Like I think Blue Black Horrors. I think is that a pre-con? Is that I the so. Dread Ingethrod? Pirate pre-con? Yeah, I think yeah. So. I think that's Captain Ingathrod. Yeah. In this five-player game, I think there were like three or four pre-cons, and it sounds like things went pretty well. I think overall the pre-cons have gotten like a good amount better. Yeah, definitely. They they play pretty balanced together, and that's something I try to do now is keep a pre-con together to like play these balanced games, and yeah, they're a lot of fun. Also, I think it it relates to like what Mike was saying earlier about how multiplayer formats, even if there's some amount of deck power level imbalance, because there's always going to be some, you can never get it perfect. Even if you're all playing identical decks, like variance is going to push favor on one person. Sure. But like in a four or five person game, there's a balancing effect, like a natural balance that's going to happen where if one person gets ahead and, you know, provided people have like good targeting priority and, and threat assessment, they're going to focus down the person who's ahead. And there's sort of this natural balance there, even more so in a five person game, because you just have one extra opponent that you have to contend with. You know, uh, it's one of the reasons why those games can often be extremely slow. But it's also maybe a really good environment to be a new player learning on a pre-con in a slightly larger game. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, I just really love a story where someone is getting back into the hobby, having super positive experiences. And like, what better way to do that with a loved one? Like this had it all. This has like a sibling and it has yeah. your significant other. Like I, I just that's so sugary sweet to me. I really, really love to hear yeah, that. That's great. And coworkers, which not nearly as sweet as the other ones, but still kind of sweet when you're hanging out with your coworkers outside of work, you know, happy that yeah. that's working for them. Totally. Yeah. I mean, that's awesome. I used to do like board game nights with my coworkers and it was a blast, man. Yeah. Now I just do a podcast with my coworkers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, because <laughs> you're technically it. my coworker. Because yeah, now we're your coworkers. Yeah. yeah. I was like, I was like, do you have another podcast with your coworkers? I like, nah, I get it. No, Would that be funny if I just had like an extra side hustle? Like, yeah, it's just this uh, other podcast I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. We're all coworkers and making the world a better place together. Wow. That's fucking sweet, wow. dude. <laughs> I love that delivered in the salad fingers voice. It's like really good. <laughs> Rusty spoons. I like the feel of pleasant games amongst my commander players. <laughs> Oh, that's a pre-con you have. That's some that's some early early <laughs> internet shit, man. Oh, love that dude. Love that early internet shit, uh, man. The other day, I could not stop talking in like Homestar Runner character voices. I, I don't know if you guys know that bit of early internet. Oh, I, I I'm intimately familiar. Yeah, I think that might predate you a little bit, Mike, because you're you're slightly younger. But uh, Adam and I are the same age, dude. Really? Oh <laughs> yeah. yeah, you fucking are. Pat's just more cultured, I guess. Yeah. I guess Pat's like a, maybe eight months older than yeah, me. Like yeah, like a couple months. Yeah, I'm yeah. a fogey. Well, yeah. well, those couple months, man, HomestarRunner.com yeah. was ripping. It was big. <laughs> 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 oh, man. So what do we think like the overall salt on this one is? It's a sugar break. You know, they, yeah, they said it right in the title. Yeah, this is yeah. a maple bacon donut. This is sweet through and through but with just enough salt to make it taste really really good mm -hmm. yeah just because it's a casual pre-con game doesn't mean i want to win with every fiber of my being so i understand the salt being there yeah. yeah for sure also 
it being a brother. There's, <laughs> I think it's every single instance of brother is accompanied by a, a an appropriate honorific. Scalding, honorific, yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah i i love that and that kind of dynamics only gonna make games more fun too frankly yeah i love that i mean you know that's kind of like the vibe that we have in our games sometimes where there's there's like that friendly shit talking a little bit of like salt a little bit of poking the bear you know what i mean yeah and i i think that can just like have a really fun vibe i mean it sounds like it was a super super fun game i do agree though that like sometimes you have these games where one person is clearly the threat and you need the table to gang up on the arch enemy, but somebody takes a deal with the arch enemy and you're like, it, it is that fucking Anakin moment where you're like, you were supposed to help us destroy the Sith, not join them. Like, what are mm-hmm. you doing right now? Like, we need to kill Nick's board. Don't take a deal that you'll take second place and kill both of us like this. That's <laughs> bullshit, dude. <laughs> like that, that always gets me, man. <laughs> yeah, it's like just accepting the the sidekick role. It's like, don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah. Like, be your own person. We believe in you. Guys, (laughs) some people out there are born to be henchmen. I, for one, think I may be one of them. (laughs) No. Born to be henchmen. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We we have talked about this before. Pat and I I know a specific person from our (laughs) high school (laughs) that we routinely were like, that dude is a henchman. He's a crab without his goyle. Yeah, is his is his birth name Goyle or Muggsy or <laughs> no, something? Pretty much, pretty much. When his boss left, he found a new one. <laughs> oh my god, dude! You, you need goon. that direction. You need that direction yeah. in your life. Yeah, yeah he's just do. a goon, dude. I, man, that would be an awesome RPG to play a fucking henchman, <laughs> a henchman game, henchman simulator. Yeah, that henchman simulator, and then your boss keeps getting taken down by heroes, and you have to find a new. A new the boss, boss needs me to teach this guy a lesson. Yeah, the boss. Yeah. And now you guys know why Minions got so popular. Oh my god, oh. dude! It's just a show about henchmen. It's a movie series all about henchmen. Oh Hench wow, activities. Yeah, I don't think real life henchmen are are as silly and whimsical as the minions. I think they're committing crimes and murders. <laughs> mm. Yeah, <laughs> just like our OP almost murdered his brother. Yeah, Ooh. nice, <laughs> nice swish. Well, that was lovely. Well, guys, I think it might be that time of the week. Hell yeah, it is. Well, my commander clock says we need to wait two more turns. So. <laughs> you know what? Crumple that up. <laughs> crumple crumple up. that up. <laughs> Cast that aside. Cast off your weighted clothing pad. <laughs> Show us your full power. <laughs> oh, man. It's the time of the week that comes every week. It's the time of the week where we say, Mike. Mike, 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 Mike. What's the salty card of the week? The salty card of the week this week Without you, and there's no reason to be salty. And when I'm with you, I always say, fuck this game forever. Yeah, your turns take forever. You can make a slow play. <laughs> that, that is, that was You and I, a cover of You and I by Ann Arbor. I am always relieved when you say the title and I and I don't know the song because <laughs> then I'm like, oh, thank God. I just I, I'm not just not hearing it. It's just something I don't know. <laughs> and that was a salty song request from Captain Cross. Thanks, dude. Cross! Thanks, Cross. Thank you, Captain. Uh, 
Yeah, that was a song that I was unfamiliar with. And now I've listened to it like 20 times and I really, really like it. And um, yeah, that's just a weird part of the job. Sometimes I just listen to a song I've never heard of like 20 or 30 times in a row. <laughs> and I have to sing a parody of it. <laughs> and really mold my Spotify algorithm for, for the next few months. <laughs> nice. That's funny. Yep. Well, thanks, Sam. The salty card of the week this week is Nexus of Fate. Oh, no oh. way. I was just thinking of this card earlier. Yeah, well, that's because it's been getting seen a lot in Timeless. Timeless! <laughs> Nexus of Fate, it's five and two blue for an instant. Take an extra turn after this one. If Nexus of Fate would be mm-hmm. put into a graveyard from anywhere, reveal Nexus of Fate and shuffle it into its owner's library instead. Wow. Yep. Perfect. Yeah. So, very, very good. Pat, how do you feel about Nexus of Fate? I adore this card when i first got into mtg arena this card was making the rounds in that turbo fog deck that everyone hated while you all hated it i simply salivated and when i got my first copy of this card (laughs) which took me a while because it was very hard to find for a while as it was only a box topper for a set i did not play i was thrilled and i'm now thinking of making a budget Rashmi deck that is Turbo Fog themed, and I think nice. it's going to be a lot of fun. This Ooh. card slaps. Love it. So, so it sounds like you're not salty at all about this. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I think if you can make this card your true win condition, where you need to get down to like this and like Beacon of Tomorrows in your library, and you just keep taking extra turns over and over, yep. I think you can make that like worth it. Now, how you get there? that needs to not be an ordeal so i don't know Mm -hmm. i can i can totally understand why this card is salty but like something that shuffles itself back into the deck that i get to keep looking for again just really excites me somehow what about you sam how do you feel about this one yeah this is an interesting one extra turn spells usually don't make me salty at all i i think the thing that bugs me with extra turns is like when people just keep taking them and they're not winning the game or they do like very little on their extra turn. And I'm like, that's you fucking waste our time for that. But like extra turn combo where you just get infinite, which is usually what you're seeing with Nexus of Fate, like so many extra turn cards exile after you cast it or something like that. But Nexus of Fate goes right back into your library. And if you draw all of the cards out of your library and you only have nexus of fate and maybe like one or two other enablers or something you got a pretty good engine right there to just win the game i think it's a really dope card i've actually never played a nexus of fate deck and it's an interesting one because i think it's a finisher for a lot of like mono blue cdh Mm -hmm. decks like like i think kefnet is a nexus of fate finisher yeah and there's a, a few others that fit in the same that same realm so I think it's a really tidy finisher. Like if you can show infinite turns, like no one's going to make you play through it. You know what I mean? Like right. yeah. it, it is kind of assured at that point. So this card doesn't make me salty. I think it's pretty cool. I think the one thing that does make me salty about it is that it's fucking expensive, man. Yeah, it it's is. Like, it's like 25 or 30 bucks and it only has two printings. And one of them is like very, very recent and was one of those layer, weird yeah it's yeah, one of like the lord layer. of the rings secret layer kind of like hippie poster cards that are horrible to read that type of reprint is not helping <laughs> card prices. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah what do you think about this card mike 
I I like it. I I think the things that are very unique about this, you touched on the shuffling back into the deck. It's supposed to make it harder to get the card back, right? Because mm-hmm. right, exactly. Generally, your graveyard is a more accessible location than in your library. Mm, so the intent there is to make it harder to to reaccess. But in the decks that run it, it usually makes it way more easy to get. Yeah, I'm speculating a little bit on what could have driven up the salt on this, but like Pat was saying, it being a box topper to start is pretty outrageous, honestly. Um, and I think people were pretty up in arms about that being like the way to get that printing. Right. Also, a big issue with Nexus of Fate is that unlike Commander, where you can only run the one copy of it, if you're running it, you're probably comboing something um, that like explicitly gets it to the top every time or something like that. If you're running Kefnet in standard and in a lot of other formats like on Arena in specific that I know of that have been playing it it's usually in pretty non-deterministic stuff. So people Mm. will like dig through 10 cards to find Nexus of Fate, cast it, and then go into their next turn. And then they have to dig again and try and find it. And sometimes they don't. And it leads to these weird situations where as the opponent, you want to concede because you want to just say, oh, well, they've got it. You know, Mm -hmm. like I can give it up. But realistically, you should not because there is a chance that they like brick and they don't draw into another Nexus of Fate to get into another another turn but i do think the other thing that is very interesting about nexus of fate is that it's instant speed and not a lot of the extra turn spells are instant speed you can pass with a ton of open mana as a blue deck and then play this right before your next turn would happen and then you get your two turns in a row while holding interaction for an entire like turn cycle Mm -hmm. which is way more flexible than like at the end of a turn that you've done as much as you can playing your your additional extra turn spell and trying to jam in more actions in that next turn. So the the play patterns for it are pretty nice, but some of the decks that have run it have been like some of historically the most frustrating decks to play into. I was yeah. going to say, I think the salt on this card is almost entirely, it was the best deck in the format when Arena exited beta and went into like, anyone mm. can play now. So mm. when I when I first got into arena, didn't have a lot of cards and was trying to climb standard with like red aggro, this was the deck that you would see a lot was Turbo Fog Nexus. Right. And it was like 80% rares and everyone was like, okay. Never yeah, mind. I hate this. Yeah. So <laughs> Yeah, I think that really highlights like what I was talking about earlier with extra turns and salt with extra turns. It's really like the dirtily extra turns. Like, okay, you're digging, you're trying to do a bunch of game actions to draw seven, eight. 10 cards to try to Mm -hmm. get to that next copy of Nexus of Fate in your deck. And those are the turns that are like insufferable because it's like you're just watching your opponent try to assemble the combo. Mm -hmm. And I think in in most of the EDH or or really CDH applications of Nexus of Fate, the combos are so clean because it's like make infinite mana, draw my deck, cast Nexus of Fate, present a loop versus like you know, a more limited card pool where you may not have the ability to do that. You don't have a commander that's always in your hand enabling that clean combo and you do need to dig. Like Narset turns is a really good example of this because eventually you're going to get to that Nexus of Fate combo with Narset where you're putting it back on top of your library every single turn uh, when your library is empty, but you need to be like just attacking and hoping you hit extra turns as you're doing that and just hoping you build those up as you go. And sometimes you get it, sometimes you don't, but you do have to play it through in those moments and mm-hmm. there's no shortcutting. And you're kind of holding the table hostage to be like, can I get it? Can I not get it? And I think that can be a little frustrating. Totally. So 
where do you guys think this lands on the salty card list? What are we guessing out of at 100? Yeah, out of yes. 100. With one being the most salty. Okay, this is Sam from the editing room. And yeah, you caught us. We recorded this one before the new year. So this is the last one with the 2023 list. And the rest are all going to be 2024, like how it was last week. This is going to land around 72 for me. Mm. Um, I was going to say something like 49. Mm. I think this is just over the cusp of half. I see. Sam, once again, going for the uh, the binary search approach where you just cut it in half. Yeah, but I, I kind of like, you know, I made a little sneaky by saying 49. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you did. Very clever. It goes to Sam. Yeah. It is at 37. Oh, wow. hey, it's hey, higher than I thought wow. by a lot. Yeah. I, I thought it was in top 50 because extra turns are really salty just in general. I, I think we've been seeing some like lower power salty cards come mm -hmm. through recently that have made me feel like the list is low. But, yeah. Yeah. And just for, you know, one of our one of our listeners out there, Ian, who I know is is curious, uh, this is just an ounce less salty than back to basics. This is <laughs> <laughs> this is the next salty card after That's back funny. to basics. <laughs> really? It's 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 yeah, right so after? it goes Narset back to basics, Nexus of Bait. Oh wow. man, I think I think this is way saltier than Narset Harder Veils. Yeah, well, um, but... Talk to back to basics about that. <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess that's true. Well, get in, that's get an in line. One, man. <laughs> well, that wraps it up for the salty card of the week. Well, thanks, Mike. That was a lovely salty card, and thanks for joining us, Pat. Thanks for jumping on in. Thanks, Pat. Oh, thanks for having me. I always love coming. Truly a timeless guest. Speaking of timeless, <laughs> oh, I'll see you on later. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you to our. Salt Packet Plus tier members. That's right. We got to shout them out at the end of every episode. And today we got Rothbox, Bathroom Entity, Bobo Fett, Chameleon, Sam Power Gamer, Clearbrook, Deadgan, Captain Cross, Ebs, and Joe Danson. As you know, we got our song request from Captain Cross. So this is a tier where you can request Salty Songs of the Week. Those guys are getting awesome custom tokens. So we really appreciate the support, guys. You are awesome. And oh, fucking thanks to everybody else who's listening too. all the other little prospectors at home. You and you and you especially. <laughs> yeah, he is pointing to people, too. He's, yeah. he's actually pointing <laughs> each and every dickling. Yeah, each, each and every dickling of all crust levels. <laughs> If you want more Howling Saltmine content, tune into our Patreon, patreon.com slash Howling Saltmine. We have our extra salt show once a month, extra special little episodes that we got going. We got the stray grains that we're dropping all the time. And we also have an amazing Discord community, which is really my favorite part. I think the stray grains are a close second because they're extremely fun and I love them a lot. Maybe some of my favorite content that we put out there aside from the main feed, but Man, the Discord, it's just such a good community. Really good vibes. We're playing Discord games with everybody once a month. And it's just it's just fun, man. It's just really a fun community that we're we're loving growing. And I'm stoked to see what happens with it this year. It's gonna be a good time. Also, if you want more Howling Salmon in your life, but you don't want to jump into the Patreon, check out our merchandise. We have awesome shirts over on our bonfire store we got plans for more merch coming this year so be on the lookout for that shit 
Another thing you can do to help out the podcast is send us salty stories. That's right. Did you think I was going to talk about giving us a five-star rating on Spotify or your favorite podcast app? Because that does help us and helps us stick out from the algorithm. No, I'm actually going to talk about sending us salty stories. You know, it's a new year. We're back to doing Reddit posts. If you guys are seeing salty stories in the wild and Reddit, tag us, get us in there. We will reach out to those people, get them in the queue and hopefully get them on a future episode of the show. Mm -hmm. In addition to all of the lovely stories that you send us, that our patrons send us, and you can send those to our Gmail, which is the gmail.com or submit it through our lovely website that we have, howlingsaltmine.com or thehowlingsaltmine.com. All of those roads will lead to Rome. Rome being this horrible Google Doc spreadsheet that I maintain <laughs> that is very messy and full of salty stories. <laughs> <laughs> Lastly, we got to shout them out every single week. Our amazing podcast artist, J.D. Burnett. If you're ever in Asheville, North Carolina, Hit him up and get a new tattoo. 10,000 subscribers or bust. Thanks, Tony. <laughs> so Tony's weird. missed enough episodes where I'm starting to, like, my brain is starting to fall into the programming of, like, <laughs> saying that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Anywho. Well, thanks again, Pat, for joining us. Love to have you on, dude. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm going to go feed Boba his birthday dinner. Ooh, happy birthday, Boba. Happy birthday, Boba. He's 10 years old. Oh, what a little man. So cute. Well, stay salty, everybody. And don't forget to draw an additional card during your draw step. It's the Howling How do I sound? Oh, it's not it's not plugged in, so I'm probably gonna sound like doo-doo. Okay, yeah. I was like, I was like, you just sound really bad. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. You don't truly need the pop filter. I do double just because yeah. it makes me feel like really legit, but I'll, I'm gonna do double for a little bit because my plosives are powerful. <laughs> not anymore, they aren't, dude. That was fucking great. Are you kidding me? That was so good. <laughs> did it just sound like I was saying it normally? Yeah, it did. That I was, was awesome. I was popping peas like it's particularly explosive <laughs> oh man the pop filter is working so well That's that great. brings me a lot of joy dude. i love that great i love that <laughs> all right i'm, I'm on the that. very dredges of this burrito and i'm ready Thanks. to rock thank you for your patience hey dude you gotta eat you There's know a tight turnaround time here mika came in was like very sweetly holding the cat like over my head like a purring cat in her arms and you know in the arms of the love of my life and i had to look up to her and be like my margins are very thin right now <laughs> i'm like frantically setting up a mic stand unwrapping a burrito and i'm like i i love you so much but i do not have the time right now <laughs> yeah dude i've fucking been there before i know exactly what you mean <laughs> all right i had a soda I'll, I'm going to grab that and water, and then I'm actually going to be ready to rock. Thank you for your patience. Really appreciate it. No problem. <laughs> I'm just going to put a super thank cut of these, service. like, thank you for your patience <laughs> moments at the end of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for your patience. We need a counter for that. Yeah. <laughs> Pat, could you do the mic, mic, mics? Mike, 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 Mike. Because I don't want to do it. <laughs>